Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored, putting all his business in the street. The podcast, bless his heart. The name, Ken Williams. Holy hell, it's been an incredible two days. This week has crept along slowly. They are trying to make me earn this last week. This job is incredibly trying. However, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. Below are some of the highlights from the past couple of days. It is a trip to see the vacant look in people's eyes when they aren't returning to your school. I see it all over the building. I'm of the opinion that slacking off toward the end is a character issue. And man, with three days left, colors are really beginning to show. I had a mom in my office bawling today over a defects investigation. This is Child Protective Services, started by Randy, who for some reason revealed to the parent that he, in fact, made the call. Yes, Randy's dumbass informed a parent that she called. Shit, I said she, and it's supposed to be he, because I'm trying to protect. I'm trying to protect the dumbasses, but that didn't work well. Just ignore what I just said. It's Randy, okay? Randy. Yes. Why on earth did he not plead the fifth? I don't know. Telling the parent you made the call is a no-win situation. Randy's rationale to the parent was that he had to protect his job. What the hell does that mean? The parent cried. The mother had her mother on the phone, the speakerphone. Grandmama calling me all sorts of names. An asshole, a pig. The mom was beside herself. I dismissed Randy from the meeting because nothing good was going to come from him continue to flap his damn gums. Horace suspended two students for three days each. And in my opinion, the severity of the suspension was not at all warranted. Once again, this decision smacked of something being done to please adults and not keeping kids first. I could just, I, I wish I could get through to him idea that we have to make decisions that are best for kids first and then adults come after that. I strongly encouraged him to reduce the suspension time. He did so, but he didn't care because he's checked out too. All right. Oh, shit. I got to make up a third name now. Uh, Miss Franklin sent a referral to the office with a fucking ultimatum attached to it. She called up to the office and said, if the student was sent back, that she would leave. Now, I wasn't in the building, lucky for her. And Bruce ended up sending the student back. She apparently called Subfinder and took a half day. For her, me not being in that building that day was a blessing in disguise because I was enraged. I mean, enraged. And I know my confronting her would have sent her into convulsions. The blessing for both of us was that I had a good night's sleep. It gave me enough pause to approach things firmly and professionally. I'm proud of myself for confronting the issue and for pulling no punches with regard to not tolerating this behavior from the adult. I also expressed my disappointment in her lack of professionalism and judgment. 
And to boot, I also told her that if anyone deserved to walk off the job, it was Mr. Bruce for dealing with the number of referrals sent to the office from her classroom on a daily basis. wake up dreading the thought that your teachers have no idea how to ensure equity for every student? Do you stress out at the thought that for years now you've been engaged in PLC light and not PLC right? Do you find yourself frustrated that some of your teachers don't believe all students can learn at high levels? And do you secretly find yourself deeply frustrated and worn down by the excuses offered as to why kids aren't learning? Are you somewhat unsure of what it takes to embed equity on every campus and on every team with every teacher in every classroom? And do issues like equity, racism, and social justice feel like a powder keg set to explode and completely fracture your campus? If so, then you need my new book, Ruthless Equity, Disrupt the Status Quo and Ensure Learning for All Students, and just, I want you to imagine yourself working with supercharged confidence because you have clarity about how to ensure equity for every student. Confidence about leveraging equitable practices that will make student achievement more measurable and predictable. And never again wonder if you make a difference because you now understand you are the difference. If you're looking for a path to equity for every student, that matters. And in my mind, the only path that matters is the one that moves the needle for student achievement, then you need ruthless equity. And not only do you need ruthless equity, but you want to check out my newest product, the Ruthless Equity Accelerator. Nine videos, plug and play, where I facilitate a book study with your entire staff or with individual teams through the most important aspects of every chapter. There's no prep, there's no pre-work, no preparation at all. And so you as a leader, teacher leader or school leader, get to hit play, pause, and engage with your staff learning together. Nine videos, preloaded, all the materials right there, so that everyone on your staff hears the same language delivered by the same person. No more train the trainer where you're wondering if it's being re-delivered with fidelity because I'm doing the delivering, baby. I'm doing the delivering. So you should combine both the purchase of Ruthless Equity and the Ruthless Equity Accelerator. Again, nine, vi listen, when I was a principal, if somebody offered me nine videos that were not only quality, but represented nine potential already planned. Chia pet, just pour water on it. Just set it and forget it like Ronco sessions, nine sessions. I'd kiss that man on the mouth and I'm happily married, baby. 
I'm happily married. If you want to find out more information, go to ruthlessequity.com. That's ruthlessequity.com. Now back to the podcast. Ooh, my goodness. I've said it once and I'll say it again. I love looking back on these days and then kind of reliving them. And a lot of it is, you know, humor and lessons learned and, you know, moves I regret and things I'm proud of. But then some of these damn entries hit you where you live, hit you viscerally, take you back right to that day. D-A-T-D-A-D-A-M-Y. That day. Look, I'd never take a break after reading the journal entry. I kind of just go right into it and get this thing done. But I had to get up. I went to the bathroom. I got something to drink. I needed a couple of minutes so I could operate here with integrity because uh, while I'm older, I'm more mature, I am, I'm, I'm wiser, I know more, there's some shit have not changed, have not changed. The, the name of this, the name of this one, I know I, the names have been changed to protect the sluggish, the sorry, and the soon to be gone, but it could have been, I wish you would whoosh w-o-o-s-h i wish you would give me an ultimatum i wish your ass would give me it could have been that name but i'm gonna keep the name that i got where do we damn start how about with the staff member who (laughs) saw fit to tell the parent that she in fact called damn defects what in the under now look I don't want to it's been a long time since I've I've led a school so I don't want this to be one of those you know my opinion here is what I think the absolute rule should be my response to this is context and the context I'm providing you is this at a chaotic school with a small handful of educators that if I had the choice, like magic wand choice, I would keep and the rest of them, I would put on the sick and damn shut in list. And this staff member was one of them. And so while, while I could probably make a case and you could probably make a case for perhaps why you would reveal that to a parent, this ain't whatever you case you thinking about like, Oh, but it worked out at my school. This ain't it. This ain't it. This is gaslighting. This is gaslighting from an already tacky as hell staff member that serves the entire building and all kids. And this, her rationale, I had to read it twice in my journal. I'm trying to keep my job. What the hell does that mean? I'm telling you, this isn't about any hard and fast rule I have about whether parents should be notified or whether it should be, you know, because, you know, you're protected by anonymity, you know, whether you should maintain that protection. This is not a referendum on that. This is the fact that this person did it to gaslight, wasn't thinking, just par for the course for so many screw ups. It's just just turned into a complete shit show. So it's context. and I want to make that clear now a little more on this whole end of the year thing and I know I've talked about this in past episodes, but if you get a hundred teachers in a room and ask them, what is the most precious uh, non-human commodity at our disposal? 
right? So aside from kids, aside from colleagues, non-human, what is the most precious non-human commodity at our disposal? Out of 100 teachers, 125 are going to tell you time, time. There's never enough of it. Anytime uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, we're making a case to uh, adjust practice, to implement new things. Always time, 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 time. And then yet, and I know it's not unique to my campus, which is why I'm talking about it. At the end of the year, hell, after standardized testing in April, you know, shit started to start come down slowly and start to shut down. And and the same thing happens before break or at the end of the year. And I want to say really clearly that I'm not like the minute Nazi at all. I'm not even the micromanaged Nazi. I'm not even close to that. But what I'm saying is we we can't be egregious. I want kids to have fun. I am okay with special events happening at the end of the year. I'm not okay with, you know, we go from 25 minutes recess to now we given two extra recesses or, you know, we go from showing uh, a didactic clip, a video clip from a movie to like, you know, spark conversation or, or enhance or support learning and then showing the damn the four and a half hour epic Ben-Hur. I'm, I'm not like... I'm, I'm not a minute Nazi. I'm not, a, I'm not on snoopervise. I don't micromanage, but damn, damn. And so I was at Learning Forward, big conference in Nashville and went to dinner with uh, two great people, two great colleagues, uh, Justin and Amy Bader. Justin Bader runs the, the Principal Center and Amy is an expert on uh, <clears throat> uh, project-based learning. Two very passionate people. They had a guest. Cat Eric Underhill. He's a principal out of uh, the Virginia area. Lives in D.C. And I told him this, man. After talking with him, I was pleasantly surprised that he was a first-year principal because he didn't sound like one. And one of the points he made was this. There was a you know one of his teachers at the end of every period, and I may be butchering this. If you're listening, Eric, I'm sorry. At the end of the period, she was doing some kind of activity. It could have been like a transition activity. It could have been like whatever, you know, doing multiplication tables. I'm not exactly sure it was, but what we were clear about and what he was clear about was that it was not a good use of instructional time. And it was eight minutes a day, like eight minutes. Now, eight minutes seems pretty innocuous, right? What he did in trying to make his case for why things should change is he extrapolated that eight minutes out. Eight minutes times 180 school days and he came up with how much time those kids miss, how much instructional time is lost. I'm just saying, I want to have fun at the end of the year. I want to have things that are planned, right? Planned fun, uh, planned events and and things that we do off the beaten path, it's gotta be planful, it's gotta be intentional, but don't, when I'm there doing PD with you and I say, hey, we ought to look at this common assessment protocol, this common formative assessment protocol, or here's how you start with the crown by focusing on essentials. I don't wanna hear shit about, well, we don't have the time because we seem to find time and we can seem to blow time around stuff that's less important. I'm just, you see what's happening to me here? I'm doing a podcast on a journal entry I wrote 16 years ago, and I am exercised like it's today. (laughs) So shout out to Eric Underhill, a principal out of D.C. Like this is a dude to keep your eye on. 
absolutely keep your eye on. So, so here's another point, leaders. And when I say leaders, you know, I'm talking to teacher leaders, school leaders, district leaders. You can't let air in, you know, you know, an ancillary benefit of, of me looking back at a journal I kept when I didn't know one tenth of what I know now are those moments where I'm really proud of myself and I was proud of myself about being steadfast about doing what's best for kids. You cannot let air in with any excuses. You cannot let air in. You don't have to have every answer, but you cannot let any air in with excuses. I could not let air in about being at the end of the year. I could not let air in about, well, you know, their behavior. So go ahead and suspend them for three days. That brings us to the suspensions, man. And that was, you know, my my AP struggled all year with the, uh, you know, adult needs coming first. And ironically, I saw someone at Learning Forward who, you know, said I said something years ago that she has hanging on a wall in her office. And it is this quote, like, what's best for kids comes first, what's best for adults comes second. It's a close second, but a clear second. And that statement for me helps to keep me on track because at my core, I've told you this before, a bunch. I'm a people pleaser. Like I want people to be happy. I want to avoid pain. I use humor to avoid pain. I'm a great problem solver because I don't want to I don't want to deal with pain. I got a plan B in my back pocket all the time because I want to avoid pain. And um, I had to learn to, to, to develop a muscle because you can talk. You can talk that what's best for kids first shit all day long. But if you're not willing to stand up to it, just like I talk about the why, the why looks good. The why is fun to develop in a larger group, right, with your team. But why doesn't pay for itself till you get kicked in the teeth? That's when when you get your ass knocked down and you got to get up and dust off and stay on course. That's when your why that's when your why pays for itself. That's when your why gets tested. And it's no different with this idea or this commitment that what's best for kids comes first. And I knew damn well that those suspensions took place to please adults. Is at the end of the year, who's going to bitch about it? And I know I had a crossroads moment with what I know now is complacency in saying, do I deal with this? This is the last fucking week of school. Do I deal with this shit? And then a part of me said to myself, you know what? As my co-author of uh, Starting a Movement says, what you permit, you promote. And I knew if I didn't say something to him about those suspensions, those excessive ass suspensions. I mean, in my mind, three days, you better pulled out a damn weapon. Right? You better put your hands on an adult or some shit like that. I mean, three days is major, especially for all kids. But our community, like school was the most stable part of their day. It's like the kids could least afford to be out anyway. I knew that was about adult pleasing because when I walked into that school in the fall, it was absolutely clear that, you know, my AP, God love him. And just, I mean, a wonderful person, but, uh, it was about pleasing the adults. Like that was a priority. And so I know that's how that, that, that I know that's why that decision was made. And it just pissed me off. Oh man. And then, you know, and then there's the mess of, calling a parent because now this one I hadn't thought of but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it right now now 
I'm telling him he's got to reduce those suspensions, right? And then you got to kind of backtrack and, and call a parent. So the reason I had him do it, now that I'm thinking back to this, is because I didn't want to like usurp him in front of a parent, like call a parent. It's like, you know what? I know what Cleota said about three days, but it's really just two days. So he did it, which makes, I guess, him look, it could, it has potential to make him look sympathetic to the parents and looks like he like rethought his that you know rethought his position and you know was transparent enough to backtrack but the bottom line is he didn't give a shit about it at that time because he was on his way out at least that's my assumption that's my conclusion and also he was about adults coming first now let's get to this last one damn it oh my god that teacher I called a Franklin shit my god man so I'm gonna try to keep this to leadership as much as possible but I cannot lie my my leader ego my grown ass man ego is all up in the last segment of this podcast damn it I wish you would especially I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't tolerate that from any teacher I can think of a scenario with a really effective teacher who's got something going on perhaps outside of school that is impacting him or her to a point where it's when something jumps off at school, it's just like an over-the-top reaction. I can handle that as an event, as a rare event for the average person. We all have shit going on. We all have crisis. In Ruthless Equity, I talk about bag draggers, you know? Everybody has stuff going on. Everybody has that, you know, you know, you got someone got a loved one in the hospital or there's something traumatic happening with your pet or whatever it is. Bag draggers are the folks who make a career out of bringing that shit to school every day. Like they always got something going on. Like they got enough going on for the whole fucking staff. You know what I mean? Like those are bag draggers. And this chick was a bag, a dragger, young, energetic, but sorry ass planner, zero classroom. Zero classroom, man, we talking about second damn grade, y'all. Help me now. Second damn grade. Sounded like Fort Apache, the damn Bronx, when I walked by there. And no, I didn't hire her. Not that I've not made my mistakes in hiring, but I did not hire her ass. I inherited her. And how I did not have her on a sick and shutting list by December, I don't know. I'll take responsibility for that. But my God, she was sorry. I mean... Every damn heart was in the right place, but damn, she's a damn victim. And that's what pissed me off then and pisses me off now. Like, I read my entry again, and you know what? I'm proud that I told her, look, our AP is the one who deserved to walk off the job and call a damn sub because of all the damn referrals he's dealing with from your classroom. I'm proud I said that, but I'm not going to lie. I had a moment like, did I do enough? Did I say enough? Did I get in that ass enough? Like, it made me want to go back there. Anyway, on top of the fact that that is so insanely unprofessional, insanely unprofessional, that you get to walk the hell off the job and, and, and give your supervisor, tell the office staff who already got stuff to do, you giving them a damn ultimatum when you're no classroom management having sorry slew foot ass sending an ultimatum 
when I tell you she was lucky I wasn't in that building, I'm telling you for both our sake, because we might have both been in the damn paper. We might have both, because I would have burnt her damn eyebrows off with the look. I wish you damn would. Sent, she knew my ass wasn't in the building. Lord have mercy. Because there's no way. Anyway, keep it to leadership, Ken. Keep it to leadership. Yeah, so on top of the ultimatum just being highly unprofessional, like you're not even given leadership, office staff, or whoever's handling things the benefit of the doubt that it's going to be, you know, um, you know, carried out appropriately. You decide to send a kid and then tell, you going to tell me what I'm going to damn do? I wish you damn would. Lord, I'm about to Google. I'm not going to do this. I, I wish you damn would. And then to be, I'm trying to think, definitely top three. I don't want to exaggerate. Definitely top three worst classroom cultures in the school, just in terms of management. If she had classroom management, she'd have made a great teacher. She'd have made a great teacher because she was upbeat, very energetic, very young, connect, you know, but zero classroom management. To be one of the top three referral senders, top three got to go down to her damn classroom. And then you sent them. <sighs> anyway, so here's a leadership lesson from that. <clears throat> and I've said this before and I'll say it again. At my core, I'm a people pleaser. And the way I learned to navigate difficult situations like this is to tell myself, if you are bold enough to do A, then I got to reach down and be bold enough to respond to A in kind. Right? I'm not going to dance around pretty like. I'm not going to, I didn't, I'm not going to start with damn two positives when we talk about this shit. That's not happening. We going right to it. We going right to it. And that wasn't an, that wasn't an easy muscle for me to develop. But again, what I've realized is when you're leading that school and you're looking to turn a culture around, you you're gonna be you're gonna be faced with situations where you are the child's primary advocate, right? But the kids in that. Cl- the second graders in that class didn't have the emotional maturity or position to say, your ass ain't planned, you sorry, you right, you got low expectations, you crying victim all the damn time, your class is chaotic. Anyway. And so who's gonna stand up for them? You know? Eventually you want more and more people in the culture that stand up for them, but in the short run, it's gotta be you. It's got to be you. So you can't let any air in. Um, I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but if it's coming up on any kind of break, don't let your foot off the gas. Have fun. Be planful about it. Be planful about it. So when you're breaking routines, you can do so planfully because when you're not planful, then stuff starts to get chaotic. Whew. This is probably the longest podcast episode I've ever done, but uh, I'm excited about uploading it. And so with that, tell your friends, check out the Ruthless Equity Accelerator. It is a nine module video book study that's going to be a damn game changer, baby. And as always, 
two things. I don't care what the situation is that you have on your campus or in your district. Just know that when your eyes open and you wake up on the right side of dirt, you play with house money, baby. You play with house money. And as always, start with the crown. On the next episode of the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, I'm going to show you how to empower people and at the same time, make a mess. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com.